The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Here I am. 10.30 on a Tuesday, live in the Prop Swap Studios, taking you all the way up till 1 a.m. Eastern time. And the second half of the NBA Finals Game 4 is underway as Jimmy Butler just attacked the rim and got fouled by Anthony Davis. And maybe they can get him in foul trouble again. Uh, but it's a close one, and I think it's going to be a close one coming down to the final possession. And we'll keep you updated with that right here on The Fix. But it's football time, and it's time for your football fix with our NFL Eagles insider, Johnny Mack, John McMullen. So let's bring him into the conversation now and dive into more of that Eagles big win over the 49ers. Give us all the latest news and notes and maybe preview a little bit of that Steelers matchup. John, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Uh, still still rooting for Jimmy. Is that? Can I do that? Can I, can I root for Jimmy Butler? Is that okay? I don't know what you can and can't do anymore, man. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I'm I'm rooting for him as well. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have seen him uh, with with Glenn Rivers here. And I'm not going to call Glenn Rivers Doc Rivers uh, out of deference to Julius Irving. So just to let everyone know that. And by the way, uh, I thought it was a good uh, thing by Doc Rivers uh, to do that, to say, call me Glenn. So I'll do it. Yeah, I'm fine with calling him Glenn. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. I, I didn't love how Glenn said um, that he's not worried about Ben Simmons shooting. So Glenn's well, not he is. Today. I mean, everybody is. But <laughs> you know what? Can you say? At some point, you got to roll out the coach speak. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, he's he's a good coach. This is not Brett Brown. This is this is a really good coach. And not to say that Brett was a bad coach. He's just an average coach. Probably a little bit. Uh, below average, and certainly didn't have the cachet to talk to somebody like Ben Simmons and say, you have to do this. Uh, Glenn does have that cachet, so we'll see if it works out. I mean, I I think the bigger problem is can't shoot. That's why I won't shoot. That's the bigger problem. Agree, and that's uh, that's just the bottom line. I mean, I say that half-jokingly about what he said regarding Ben Simmons, but the only person that can fix Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons. <laughs> so, um, but I digress. Speaking of the fix, that's the show we're on. So let's uh, let's get into it, John. It's Tuesday now, and what more have you learned? Do you want to start with some injury updates? Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, devastating uh, compared to, I guess, last week. As far as you lose a couple players, T.J. Edwards uh, is going to be out uh, certainly for this upcoming game with a hamstring injury. Rudy Ford, which people aren't going to notice and um, care about, but they should because um, he has he was out uh, with a groin injury, came back, and now he has a hamstring. So, I mean, he is a great, and I, when I say great, I mean great punt gunner. And that's the kind of thing you don't notice until it's gone. And the Eagles were really good. Craig James is really good at that. He's on injured reserve. So, they're down their 
two best punt gunners again. And and Cremon LeBlanc will probably out, be out there, Graylin Arnold. Not something you care about until you do care about it. And we'll see if it affects them. And then it's a little bit too early. We'll talk to Doug Peterson tomorrow morning. And, and obviously Wednesday's a big practice day. So hopefully you start getting some receivers back, and that will start with Paul Sean Jeffrey perhaps and Deshaun Jackson. Um, I, as strange as it sounds, I think you got a better chance of seeing Alshon Sunday than Deshaun. Um, just don't think he's going to be back with that hamstring injury this early. Yeah, and it's just more of the same with Deshaun. But um, we'll, we'll stay we'll stay locked in there and give you all the updates and talk through that. But on the defensive side, John, and all the blame always goes to one man in particular. And <laughs> Jim Schwartz talked about that man today. So why don't you fill us in there? Yeah, yeah. I I don't. I, I, in fact, I do know. I mean, Jim Schwartz does not pay any attention um, to fans who criticize him or his defense or his players. Um, but I, I joked that he was trolling the fan base a little bit with his answers about Nate Terry today. He really wasn't. That was a joke. But you know, Twitter. Uh, they take everything seriously, and they certainly have worked out that way. Because for whatever reason, I, I just find it so interesting, more as a societal thing. I mean, this is a fan base that embraces everyone. They love this team. It's evident. And, and like I said, you win one football game. We were talking a little bit off air. And, and already I, I'm getting to Jordan Mylotta. He's back in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I said, you know, it, hey, nobody is rooting for Jordan Mailata more than me. I mean, he is a great, and when I say great guy, I mean great guy. And I hope he succeeds. And he did a heck of a lot better than I expected. Um, and it's a, it's a much more difficult week this week in Pittsburgh with T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. That's one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. Uh, so we'll see if he can keep it going. But, it, you know, he was solid. Let's not overstate it. And he was better than expected. I think even that's probably a better description. I had people telling me Greg Ward has the best hands in the NFL. I, couldn't, I can't even say that without laughing. I mean, if you see the receivers in this league, I, I, I just – and but then the contrast is, they can't stand Nate Gary. It's like, what did Nate Gary do to this fan base? Now, he, he's he's not a good player. I'm not trying to say he is. But compared to what they think he is, he's better than that. And he's the best linebacker on this team. And he plays. he's played 99% of the snaps because they don't have anybody better. Um, and that's not a good position to be in, but that – you know, reflects more on Howie Roseman and how he builds this roster. And the Eagles, you know, I, I think it was a couple weeks ago, Ron, you first asked me, what's the identity of this team? Yeah. I said, they don't have one. Well, now they do. And their identity is that defensive line because guys have gotten healthier. Javon Hargrave's back. So now you have three good interior players with Fletcher and Malik Jackson. And Derek Barnett's got back. Now you got three good ends with Brandon Graham and, and Josh Sweat. 
and even Gerard Avery looked like a world beater uh, against the 49ers. So they're deep and they're talented on the defensive line. That's their identity. That's where they build. They build up front on both sides of the football. Hasn't worked out on the offensive line because of the injuries. And they don't value linebackers, so they try to cobble it together. And, and Nate Gary is just a guy, but he's not as bad as these people think he is. It's it's weird, and I don't get it. Like, why doesn't he get the Greg Ward treatment? <laughs> you know, when he makes a play, why isn't he Dick Butkus? I, I don't know. He's the only one, and I can't figure it out. I need it explained to me. I just think it's like the optics of it. He's not like a Rokon Smith. He's not like a, a Luke uh, Keekley. Like he's not like a guy that can fly around. Well, and... no, he certainly isn't. Well, of course I mean, not. Yeah. And that's what. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, but I, I mean, like it's not like he's playing a hundred percent of the snaps because Sean Bradley's better or Davion Taylor is better, and they're just not noticing it. He deserves to get. 100% and it's 99 to be uh, literal, uh, he deserves to get that playing time on this team because they don't have anybody else. By no means am I trying to say you you want to get better. You know, you wish you still had a Jordan Hicks. I think that's kind of topped out for the way the Eagles do business at that position. I think that type of player is the best you're going to get, and he's not that but, I, I mean, he plays because you don't have anybody better. And you got to get used to that. Yeah, I don't think the fans are ever going to get used to that. So <laughs> I guess we have to get used to dealing with it, which is just added to the list of things that we deal with on Twitter. But anyway, um, <laughs> John, you wrote on SI.com, and you also have a lot of pieces up right now on PhillyVoice.com, so be sure to check out there as well for all of John's work. But you mentioned uh, Jannard Avery, and you mentioned the defensive line when talking about Nate Gary. So uh, what's your thoughts on the defensive line through four games, and specifically Jannard Avery? What can he become? Well, yeah, right now it's really, really good, and it's really been the past two weeks. And so we talk about, you know, everything's a small sample size at this point, but we are through a quarter of the season and you've seen it. The Eagles lead the NFL in sacks right now. And Pittsburgh, by the way, is number two. So that's going to be an, uh, an interesting matchup. So um, they've been really good. As I said, basically the past two weeks, as, as Hargrave has gotten healthier and is getting closer to what he is as a player. And I don't think people have seen that yet because he's a really good player and he's not been 100%. Didn't have a summer. Nobody had an offseason, but he didn't have one practice in training camp. And Derek Barnett was basically the same way. Got hurt very early in camp with a hamstring. Didn't do anything from there. Uh, and now he's ramping up. And he had one of his, I, I would argue, that was his best game as a professional uh, against the 49ers. That's how good he was. Uh, and then if you can get, I mean, you can't get what you got out of Jannard Avery in every game. Yet. He played 16 snaps, and he hit the quarterback five times. I mean, that's astonishing production. So you're not going to have that every week, but Jim Schwartz did talk today, and he mentioned, you know, that's what we've been waiting for 
from Jannard Avery. They knew he was a good pass rusher. Um, he's a situational guy. I, I think people need to pump the brakes with that. He's he's very small, six foot, two hundred fifty pounds. So it's not like you can play him a ton of snaps, but. If you have Graham and and you have Barnett and you have Josh Sweat playing at a high level like they have been, and then all of a sudden he's the number four, and you need him for 15, 20 snaps, in those types of situations where he's just pinning his ears back and rushing the passer, you got something there. And that's where the Eagles are, are building this team. That's the identity. That defensive line is top five in this league, and it's only going to get better as long as guys like Hargrave and Barnett get healthier and healthier and stay on the field. If they're capable, we know injuries can can derail anything. But right now, that group is deep and talented. Yeah, and, and sticking with the defensive line, and, and we'll transition to the offense here in just a few minutes, but Fletcher Cox, and just to calm everyone down, I, I think the fans need to realize he gets double teamed basically the entire game, and he's also not 100%. So for everyone saying, Where, where's Fletcher Cox been? Can you shed some light on that? Yeah, I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the guy is it draws so much attention and I think it was uh, Brian Baldinger, so he did his Baldy breakdowns today. He had one of the big play that Avery made where uh, he hit Nick Mullins and um, Rodney McLeod had the interception, which kind of set the tone as far as turnovers, and we talked about how the Eagles' defensive defense hadn't been. That's the one thing they hadn't been doing is creating turnovers. All of a sudden they get three of them. Uh, and, and those things tend to come in waves, and that's happened. But Baldy broke it down, and you saw what happened. And what the 49ers had on that protection was double-team everybody, Fletcher Cox among them, and go one-on-one with Avery, who's the less proven player, um, and he made something happen. And and but in, in a larger picture, I mean, you're right. That happens to Fletcher all the time. I mean, he's just double-teamed and, and double-teamed, and that creates opportunities for others. Um, and, man, it, it, you know, I've talked about it on both sides of football with him and, and Lane Johnson on the offensive side. I mean, those guys are so tough. They shouldn't be playing. And they're out there playing and Fletcher uh, had the most snaps of, of the defensive tackles, as he usually does, and he's got this oblique injury, and he's just fighting through it. Um, that's what, you know, even, I, you know, I won't even say fans, but even these these grading services and these film people, and that's the stuff they don't understand because they don't talk to the coaches. And they don't understand that guys are, are fighting through things. And this will also circle back to Nate Gary, who we just talked about it and played last season with a core muscle injury. Played the entire season with that. And so if you're wondering why the coaching staff likes certain players and, and players like Fletcher Cox and Lane, they're going out there and they shouldn't be out there. So maybe they're not playing up to their typical expectation, 
But the fact that they go out there and still play at a higher level than their replacement tells you a lot about them as a player. Yeah, and just because they're not all over the field, like when you're watching the game live in a highlight reel type of fashion, doesn't mean they're not doing adequate. And I know that's not always acceptable for fans, but it's better than the alternative. Like you have to realize still what they're providing and value in the huddle and just their knowledge and even fighting through an injury. They're not going to be dominating, but they still could be much better than the alternative. So that's something that I think fans have to keep in mind. Um Switching to the offensive side of the ball, John, and this was released today about a player getting released. Wide receiver Mohamed Sanu from the San Francisco 49ers is being released, and obviously Eagles Twitter jumped on board with that, saying, well, there you go. (laughs) Cut J.J. and insert Sanu. Is that realistic? (laughs) No. uh, You know, the Eagles have plenty of bodies. they got to get healthy, and and we talked. hopefully it starts. Uh, this week, as I mentioned, with all Sean Jeffrey. But remember, down down the road, uh, they are going to get Jalen Rager back at some point. It's not a seizing and an injury. They're probably after the bye week is what they're targeting there. And they do have young receivers that they like, and, and uh, they'll get Quez Watkins back. Could be this week as well. Uh, and John Hightower is getting uh, a lot of experience, and you saw him convert that big fourth and four. Uh, that was a big play, and and uh, you know overall uh, he struggled as most rookies not named Justin Jefferson do. Uh, <laughs> that probably really upsets Eagles fans, but uh, typically uh, young receivers are going to struggle, and and you know Jim Schwartz bring him up again. He calls it startup cost. And you got to get these young players moving in the right direction. But, you know, if you saw Mohamed Sanu in New England, wasn't that great. Um, didn't even get on the field pretty much in, in, in San Francisco. So, I, I mean, I often talk about that stasis word, and people hear a name, and, you know, Mohamed was a, a pretty good receiver in, a, in Atlanta. Um, not the same guy. Yeah, life moves on. It keeps going forward. And just because you were um, – the NFL moves really, really quickly. And just because you were a good player at one point doesn't necessarily mean you're a good player now. And the last thing the Eagles need is another veteran receiver that isn't really that good. They got enough of that. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> – please, no more. No more. Um <laughs> Staying on the offensive side of the ball, and we're talking with John McMullen, NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen. Carson Wentz running the ball. And, yes, it's been out of necessity, but forget even just tucking it and crossing the line of scrimmage and running, uh, getting him out of the pocket, bootlegs on the run, setting up the run, and then doing misdirection, play action. They're doing a pretty good job of that as of late, and he had 37 rushing yards on Sunday, he had 65 against Cincinnati. And this is what he's going to need to do. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, John, in order for this team to figure out ways to win right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, it's a grinded-out offense right now, and you got to find a way. If you're going to grind it out, you got to find a way to move the sticks. And if that means the quarterback converting uh, with a run, that means the quarterback converting with a run. So 
I do think a lot of it is out of necessity, and you hope that necessity leaves as you do get a little bit healthier at the wide receiver position. But we'll see uh, if guys start to develop or or not. Um, I, I do think part of it was game plan related as well with San Francisco. They've struggled a little bit uh, with zone reads with quarterbacks, so I think part of it was that uh, as well. And then the last part was, you know, I, I think the Eagles – like everybody else, had no idea what to expect with Jordan Mailata. So there was some concern um, about him holding up on the blind side, and, and that's where you get a little bit more of the movement plays uh, as far as trying to get uh, Carson out of the pocket. Um, I think, you know, if Jordan proves himself, and he was really good, he was it was weird. If you just think about Jordan in general, I mean, he's six foot eight. He's 350 pounds. You would think what he could do is just move the pile. He's so strong. He's so big. And he was really kind of poor in, in run blocking, and he was good in pass blocking. So I, I would have expected the, the opposite, uh, and it didn't turn out that way. Um, but if he continues to show that he can handle himself as a pass blocker, you'll probably see less of that. I think that's more of a necessity uh, because they were so banged up on the offensive line. Um, so there's always a place for it, but I, I don't think it's something uh, that you're going to see a ton of uh, just because it's not really a staple of the Eagles' offense. Um, you kind of led right into what I was thinking about next here, and that is Miles Sanders and the run game, where he had 20 carries in Week 2, he had 18 carries in week three, and he only had 13 carries for 46 yards against San Francisco. He had a couple catches for 30 yards total. Uh, is that just because of the offensive line, how banged up they were, that they weren't really able to establish the run, or is that just Doug being Doug? <laughs> uh, I, I think a, a little bit of both. I mean, we've mentioned that Doug's always going uh, to fall to the passing game as as the game moves on. I think we, we always see that. But, you know, I mentioned I, I think with Miles that 18 to 22 is sort of the sweet spot. I think that's where you want to be. And I mentioned the Eagles weren't good run blocking as a whole on that offensive line. So I think that played into it. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit frustrating because I mentioned yesterday on the show you had that angle route where Miles would have went a long way. I, I, it probably would have been a 30-yard gain minimum, um, and that would have made his numbers look a little bit better. But, yeah, I, they, they just didn't get it going running the football where you could really criticize Doug if you want to criticize him is late in the game. You know, Corey Clement's out there in the four-minute offense. Why? Uh, and, he, and he gave that convoluted explanation. He's a bigger back. and Yeah, but he can't play, um, you know, unless you want to default to Super Bowl. He's done nothing, um, and you're trying to put away the game. I mean, Miles should be in there, and people talk about, is he concerned about him putting the football on the ground because Miles fumbled in his first game back? And he had a history of that at Penn State, but 
He's only fumbled, I, I think, two times since he's been here. And Corey's fumbled six times, and much less traffic. So it, it, it doesn't make much sense. And, and, the, and the bottom line is, Corey and Boston haven't produced uh, either of them. So if you're trying to put away a game, forget about this rotation. Uh, and you're at 13 carries for Miles Sanders. Get him out there. See if, see if he can break a run. You know Corey's not going to break one. No, I mean, Corey, man, listen, I'm rooting for him. Such a cool story. New Jersey kid. Um, a hero in the Super Bowl. But he hasn't done anything since then, and that's just the unfortunate reality for him personally. And I don't understand why he's out there either, so I, I would agree with you. Um, the Pennsylvania governor, we have some news for fans to be allowed into the game, and that would impact the Eagles game this Sunday in Pittsburgh. And the next Eagles home game. What do you know uh, from that standpoint, John? Yeah, uh, Pennsylvania as a whole has approved uh, basically 75 capped it, uh, so 7,500 fans uh, or people actually uh, to be uh, correct in in stadiums. And, and the Steelers have already announced they will allow in 5,500 fans. Uh, I'm not sure how much. That will impact, probably won't, as far as home field advantage. But the 7,500 figure includes everybody in the stadium. So you're talking about, obviously, people working in media and all that, uh, along with uh, coaches, players, and um, NFL employees. So that's where you get that 5,500 number. Uh, and that, in theory, would be what the Eagles could start allowing in uh, against Baltimore in Week 6, which, again, would be uh, thrilling for those 55 that will be let in. I don't think it will mean much to home field advantage. But also, I mean, the city has to approve that as well. Um, and I think, ultimately, they're going to make a decision. Uh, Mayor Jim Kenny's office next week, they've said, and generally, by his history, he tends to follow the leader. I put that on Twitter. So I, I would imagine he would not stand in the way. Um, and the Eagles will probably have that 5,500 or somewhere near that number uh, week six in Baltimore. That's what, uh, against Baltimore, that's what I would expect. John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider, joins me every single night right here on The Fix for your football fix at 10.30 p.m. All of our conversations are available on YouTube at Jacob Media YouTube channel. Follow John at J.F. McMullen, and he writes for phillyvoice.com and Sports Illustrated at si.com. And he extends the play every Saturday morning right <laughs> here from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. John, um, what are you writing about next for either Philly Voice or SI? Well, I think I'm going to write about Jalen Mills and the fact that he moved back to corner, and he was he was pretty impressive, and certainly better than Avante Maddox had been uh, before he was injured. And you know, Jim is very close to the vest on on personnel and what he's going to do. He likes to throw curveballs. Nobody thought. Uh, that would be the move this week with Marcus Epps and Kayvon Wallace. Um, but I do know that team likes Marcus Epps more than um, he's sort of like another 
sort of a mini Nate Gary. Um, uh, they like him more than a fan base. And, and, and if Kayvon Wallace as a rookie, uh, if they like what he did, I can see them just going back to having Jalen Mills out at corner. And I certainly think in the short term, again, um, Shane Avante Maddox obviously went to school at Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, at Pitt. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to get back on the field for the Steelers game. So I think there's another good chance you're going to see Jalen Mills at corner this week. Yeah, I liked how Jalen Mills looked at corner, and uh, not that he was horrible at safety, but uh, that's a little preview there from John McMullen about conversations that him and I will have tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week as we continue to discuss Eagles news and notes as they prepare now for their in-state rivalry against the Pittsburgh Steelers. John, thank you once again, man. Enjoy the rest of your night and go watch uh, Jimmy Buckets try and tie this series up. Jimmy Buckets, he's going to do it. Uh, probably not, but the Lakers are going to win. But I'm rooting for Jimmy, even though I probably shouldn't be. We're all rooting for him, man. We're all rooting for Jimmy. As we always root for John McMullen. Not hard to do right here on The Fix. One hour down, two more to go. We're taking a quick break.